Hello, and welcome to the Date Night Movie Podcast. I am your host, Patrick Russell, and with me is my co-host, Ashley Russell. Hey, guys. Now, you know, during this pandemic, because theaters have been closed and there haven't really been any new movies, we've just been talking about what we've been watching here at home. But, you know, it looks like theaters are finally starting to open up, and they're going to have actual new movies to play. So, you know, it'll be nice getting back to our original format. Yep. But, you know, it has been fun kind of using this time to go through and check off some movies that you and I hadn't seen before. This week, I wanted to introduce you to Flashdance and Coyote Ugly. You know, usually it's been, you know, me showing you some of my favorites, which are usually like violent action movies from the 90s. <laughs> yeah. That's, that, that's my jam. Yeah. But these, yeah, these are, these are two of your favorites. Yes. You know these movies pretty well? I do. <laughs> Coyote Ugly more than Flashdance, but... You grew up with Coyote Ugly. I did. That's, I don't know what to make of that. Uh, well, we'll <laughs> we're going to get into it, and I'm going to show you all of the awesomeness that is Coyote Ugly. I, I need that. I think I need that pointed out to me because <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure what I saw. <laughs> Both of these movies uh, they were produced by Jerry Bruckheimer, and Flashdance marked the first time that Jerry Bruckheimer worked with Don Simpson. And the two of them would go on to form their own production company, and they would make such films as Beverly Hills Cop, Top Gun, which we've talked about, Bad Boys, Dangerous Minds. So Uh, really good partnership. Yeah, very lucrative. Yeah. And uh, you take Flashdance, Beverly Hills Cop, and Top Gun. There you go. I mean, that is like the holy trifecta of (laughs) 80s awesomeness, really. And all three of those movies, they are powered by... Slick visuals and just like awesome synth soundtracks. You well, know, soundtracks that-, that last, right? Like soundtracks. Oh that yeah, we hear those songs today, and everybody's still rocking to the beat. Like- I've got like Top Gun, Danger Zone yeah. on my Apple Music. I've got Maniac, What a Feeling. I've got that on my Apple Music. I was tapping my feet. Well, I was surprised when you mentioned that What a Feeling was the original song and got an Oscar nom or won an Oscar. What a feeling! Maniac. They were both nominated. Maniac and What a Feeling. They were nominated for best song, and What a Feeling won. So this movie is an Oscar winner, and it was nominated for a total of four Oscars. Yeah, including uh, cinematography and editing. Um, Let's get into Flashdance. This movie has a uh, a thirty six percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Really? Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, but it pulled in around ninety two million back in nineteen eighty three. So that's, I mean, that's a lot of tickets you're yeah. selling. I mean, that's a big hit. And that's why this jump started Jerry Bruckheimer and Don Simpson. Well, this is why, ladies and gents, sometimes you just don't go on ratings and critic reviews. And you just got to really just go with watch. your gut. Well, well go with no, your gut it's... and watch what you want to watch. And then you decide. No, I think what, like a Rotten Tomatoes score, all it indicates is what a select group of individuals yeah. thought at a certain point in time. And, I mean, tastes change. You know, opinions change. And, you know, our evaluation of certain movies changes. Yeah, I mean, Jerry Bruckheimer, I mean, his whole career, critics have been kind of writing his movies off. Well, yeah. Because, superficial I, Yeah. They, they, garbage. Jerry, Jerry Bruckheimer, I mean, he's raking in the dough. I mean, seriously, who cares what critics think? Like, he, he knows what people one, want to see. One hell of a career. Yeah. I'm almost surprised we haven't heard any, you know, couch stories yet on him. 
Well, that was really that was his partner, Don Simpson, and we've actually we talked about Don Simpson before on our uh, Top Gun episode just briefly. He he died of a drug overdose yeah. in 1996, and I just I kind of find him a fascinating figure because by all accounts he really was like an absolute train wreck. I mean, just like a real heavy drug addict. I mean, he died on the toilet like Elvis. I mean, just filled with cocaine and prescription pills. <laughs> just a per- personal life a wreck. And yet he still managed to co-produce some of the most successful and influential films of the 1980s. So I guess just that kind of dichotomy is yeah. interesting to me. Like, how can you be such a train wreck in your personal life, but so gifted and brilliant in another area? But maybe it's opposite. Maybe his brilliance came from his drug use. I'm sure people have said that. And it's a shame, honestly. Yeah. You know, even though Bruckheimer, he's continued on, obviously, with a very successful, prolific career. Uh, you know, I think the absence of Don Simpson has been noticeable. Because if you look at The Rock, which was the last movie Don Simpson had his hand in right before he died. And then you compare it to, say, Con Air, which was Jerry's first film without Don Simpson. I think there's a big quality difference there. Yeah. And it, it mainly has to do with the characters. And I think Don Simpson had a lot to do with that. Kind of just working the characters and making them more empathetic. And whereas, like, in, you know, Con Air, I mean, it's, you don't care what happens. It's, like, it's junk. Well, you care what happens, Nick Cage. I mean, he... Cameron Poe? Yeah. <laughs> there, I you mean, want him to see his daughter. Is it ever really in doubt? I mean, we know what's going to happen. <laughs> there isn't really anyone else beyond Nicolas Cage in no. that movie that we care about. No. And there's a whole assortment of characters, and they're all just very disposable. But yeah, I think Don Simpson... Steve <laughs> Uh, it's like like a child rapist. Yes. That's good times. Oh, God. Or how about Danny Trejo in there? Oh, like, man. Good. I mean, he's just in there to threaten rape. That's, yeah. that's what he does. But, um, you know, Don Simpson, he, I, I think he was also influential in his movie soundtracks. And, I mean, these are some iconic soundtracks. You know, we've talked about Top Gun, but Flashdance and Beverly Hills Cop, both of those movies are powered by awesome tunes. And also, like, when you think of Dangerous Minds, like, you don't think of the movie. No, you think of Coolio and... Gangsta's Paradise. Gangsta's Paradise. Absolutely. So he really proved, like, how a great soundtrack could really boost a movie's commercial prospects. Yeah. So, yeah. So that brings us back to Flashdance. And, you know, so this movie, it stars Jennifer Beals as Alex. And Alex is a steel worker by day and an exotic dancer by night. She's not really a stripper. No, it's, she's more burlesque. It's kind of burlesque. It's kind of like interpretive dancing. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's kind of artistic. I mean, at one point, there's one dance number where it's like, she's got like white makeup on. Well, in front of the, tr- in front of the TV. And, and it's there's all like a like strobe, strobe light. Yeah, yeah. It's strobe-y. So like, this is not any kind of normal like strip club or no. a burlesque show. There's no poles or anything. I mean, it's, it's very artistic. It's mostly, <laughs> it's mostly burlesque, but jazz. So you think now, you think burlesque, you think sexy, slow, and they don't show everything, but it's more of a tease. Right. Well, this is more of a tease too, but this is more jazz. This is more fast. This is more spins. This is a little bit harder to do than the slow burlesque. Right. And this is the club where she has that iconic moment where she's kind of like straddling the chair yep. and she has water dumped on her. Yep. I mean, that happens like five minutes into this film. Yeah, that's like, the very, right, right very off the bat. beginning. There's a lot of iconic moments throughout here that I had just seen like through music videos or just clips on TV or borrowed from other movies. 
this movie uh, just clearly had a big influence. Yeah, I-, I would say, and it's easy to see why. Well, and I and I understand why cinematography and editing were nominated because Jennifer Beale wasn't the dancer; she wasn't the one dancing. So they did a really good job of hiding her face when the dance routines uh, came is that, up. Is that is that true in the the final dance number also uh, uh, in all front of, of the it. Du- yeah. okay. Yeah, they did a good job with that. I mean, sometimes you can kind of... You can kind of tell. If, you, if mean, you're like you know. freeze frame, and I, yeah. yeah, you can kind of see. But yeah, they do a very good job cutting and framing that so that it's not really that distracting. But I mean, beyond that, the cinematography is gorgeous. I mean, this movie is shot almost like a noir yeah. with like a lot of backlighting and a lot of like steam and smoke going on in the, pretty much every scene and a lot of like rain and just saturated colors. Yeah. It's a great looking movie. And that's something that took me by surprise. I wasn't expecting it to just be so beautiful looking. Yeah. And honestly, I mean, the backlighting, the rain, the smoke, it's reminiscent of Blade Runner, which came out around the same time. I mean, so it's easy to see both of those films. I mean, Blade Runner was a flop when it was released. This was a huge hit. I mean, (laughs) if Blade Runner was a musical, it would kind of look like this. But it's not a musical, and they're not singing. They're not like they're. I this mean, movie they're is dancing. This movie is singing. I mean, let, let, let's be honest. This movie is strung together through music montages, of course, and dance numbers. Yes. So not, it really is a feature-length music video. A music video. It's a yeah. yeah. This is a feature. This is like a rockin' eighties yeah. feature-length music video. Yeah. <laughs> There's not much plot. Not really. We I haven't mean, really touched on. I mean, she has a romance going with yeah, with her boss at with the her steel, boss at the steel plant. He sees her dancing at the club. She wants to get into a prestigious dance academy, which is the whole thing of the whole story. Yeah, um, and you know, there's ebbs and flows to that, like. Well, she has, you know, we she gets an audition because her her boyfriend and that pisses her off. It pisses her off that he like gave her a leg up, and I like that about her character. Her character has some integrity. I mean, even though she's given him like foot jobs under a table at one point, that's true. This character is pretty badass. Yeah, and I mean, she is badass. She is a steel worker. I mean, she's smoking Marlboro Reds. At one point, she like. She removes her bra like through her shirt. Yeah. Do you remember? I mean, I do. Like right when they were like just kind of it, relaxing and chilling, and she's just kind of like, "Hey, I'm I'm, I'm home." Very casual. I, very I, badass. I am getting comfortable. And when we cut to his face, he, like his mind is blown. <laughs> like, what have I seen? Well, that, and then they're in the fancy restaurant, and then she she had on this like tuxedo thing, and she had the jacket on. Yeah. And then she goes and she takes the jacket off, and you realize that she only has like the vest vest on with nothing else underneath it this girl has style it was and this girl i mean this girl she is yeah i i like this character a lot because she's i mean she's in control she is during this romance you know he's pursuing her but she's the one making the moves yeah i mean she's the one jerking him off under the table Well, yeah, I mean, she's the one that's taken the lead in the whole thing, and she kind of blew him off because she's like, I don't want to date my boss. I just don't want to do it. This isn't my life. Yeah. And then he weeds her down and and romances her and and pursues her and gets her to change her mind. And he, this guy's rich. But in a nice way. I mean, you know, we're not. Yeah, I I was okay with this romance. I I mean, this guy is played by Michael Nori. Yep. And I don't, I don't know what he's done since. And that dog. She has this pit bull. Oh my goodness, this dog. This dog rocks. It's really, oh. it's just her and yeah. this like kind of like studio loft, 80s apartment. Yeah. Her and her pit bull. 
she's making it work day yeah. by day. And uh, you know, I think the movie does right by her. Uh, yeah. It's it, it doesn't really exploit her. Uh, I don't think. No. I mean, there is exploitative things in this. I mean, you know, you have sub characters like her sister. No, not her sister. I think it's, it's just her, her friend. friend. Her friend. Yeah, her friend wants to be a figure skater. And then she blows it. Yeah, she bites the <laughs> dust on the ice. And so then she ends up stripping, taking her clothes and off. And she, she, there's this, there's this uh, uh, antagonist. There's this duo yeah. of creeps who yeah. run another club where it, they do take it where off. Where it's a full on strip club. Yeah. We bear all. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we do see some boobies. You bet. This is, yeah, this is an R rated yeah. feature. I mean, way to go. We see a close up yeah. of a foot on a crotch. It's true. I mean, that's. <laughs> But not, I mean, like, with clothes on, you know. But that, the foot is going for it. Absolutely, it's going for it. <laughs> Speaking of that, I mean, this is directed by Adrian Line, And, I mean, this guy has had a real solid career. I mean, this was his first, like, commercial hit. But after this, he did Fatal Attraction. He's done uh, Jacob's Ladder, Nine and a Half Weeks, Indecent Proposal, Unfaithful. So he kind of became, like, the master of, like, the erotic. yeah. Did he do Eyes thriller. Wide Shut too, or no? No, that's Stanley Kubrick. No, okay. But yeah, Adrian Lyne is a legit filmmaker, and yeah, I mean, he brings a, just a, a certain like sensuality to the way this movie's photographed. I mean, we get a lot of close-ups of legs and arms and faces, like just sweating. Yeah, there's there's a lot of just moisture in the air, <laughs> like that goes with like the steam. Yeah, and yeah, I just I, I love the way this movie is photographed, just kind of taking in just the detail of the surfaces. Uh, of this world that she's in. Um, so I, yeah, I, Nothing I dig that. Nothing traumatic is done to her. Like, there's no... Well, she loses her grandma during the course of the film. She has, like, a, just a couple, like, short, like, sweet scenes where, like, her grandma just encourages her to keep going for her dreams. For her dancing, because her yeah. grandmother was a dancer. And her grandmother's like, I know you're going to make it. Yeah. And, yeah, like, I mean, towards the end, her grandmother is gone. Yeah. And um, Jennifer Beals, I mean, her her response, I mean, she, like she's breaking down. I thought Jennifer Beals was really good in this. Yeah. And I don't I don't understand why she didn't get like a better career after this. Like why? Like why do like Eddie Murphy and Tom Cruise? Like why do they take off with their big hits? But Jennifer Beals, like this is it. I and mean, just, this is a good actor showpiece for her. She's great. One hundred percent. She's great. Yeah, it, it's it's surprising that it didn't lead to more. And so, yeah, and the movie just, you know, it builds to her audition. She does decide to go on the audition. Maybe it's like the passing of her grandmother that, like, pushes her to decide to do it. Because she blows it off originally uh, when she finds out that her her guy had a hand in it. But, yeah, that audition is, it's, she's dancing and just, like, bebopping around the room to What a Feeling. Yeah. And it is. Awesome. Iconic. It's, you're going to be tapping your feet. You know, it's like a room full of, like, stuffy judges. Yep. You know, by the end of it, I mean, she's got them tapping their feet. And it's it's just an incredible sequence. It's just like a fusion of picture and sound that it's just kind of hypnotic. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. The whole movie, I just, I found kind of hypnotic. The way, like, the, the slick visuals paired perfectly with this 80s soundtrack. And it's just very similar to Top Gun, the way that movie worked yeah. for me. It just kind of like pulls you into this trance. So it, it was a good movie overall. I definitely give it an A. This is a definite must see. I mean, if you haven't done it, I mean, it is a popular film, but well, it's a, a well known title. Seen it in a long time, so I'm glad I was able to revisit. 
It's awesome. Yeah, this is this is a new favorite for me. I, I really yes. I really enjoyed it. And like in that final scene, it just leaves you on such a high high note. Yeah, yeah, and it's. And we don't even like see the judge's response. We just kind of like cut out of it. And we can just see on her face as she's like running out like joyously. Yes. What the verdict was. Yeah. Like her her guy is there with the Porsche and the dog with yep. a bow around his neck. Yeah. I mean, this is like a triple, so triple happy ending I know. right here. She gets it all. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it really does leave you on a high. And 90 minutes. Bam. We are Cutting to credits. <laughs> you can't do much better than that. It's perfect. So, yeah, I, I really enjoy this. And, uh, yeah, it's a good date movie. Yep. I mean, absolutely. Why don't we take a quick break? And when we come back, we'll talk about Coyote Ugly. Yes. All right, we're back. And we're going to talk about Coyote Ugly. This movie came out in 2000. And it has a 23% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's uh, BS. Is it? Yes. This was my college... <laughs> college like, jam? Jam. I mean, no, Flashdance having a 36, that that's BS. I mean, the 23 for Coyote Ugly, that's... Understandable for that, you? That, that's in line. But it did. It pulled in over $100 million worldwide <laughs> 20 years ago when it was released. Wow, this movie's 20 years old. Uh, yeah, I saw this when I was 15. Yeah, that's about right. Well, recently, yeah. I, I think Tyra Banks was kind of floating the idea of a doing po- a sequel, a possible sequel. I mean, what would a sequel like oh, this? So good. I mean, but oh. I have a feeling now with like like all the special effects that it'd be more like burlesque. Did burlesque have a lot of special effects? I mean, there was a lot of like production design and like set design, sure. and I mean, this was just on a bar. Yeah, and they were dancing. The listed budget for this was forty-five million. You can't do that now. No. You can't spend like nearly fifty million on a movie like this now. It's uh, you can spend like twenty million maybe if you have the right actors. If you have the right you, actors, you, you can maybe yeah. spend twenty million. This looks like a twenty million dollar movie. Like, where did the fifty million go? I mean, it's like two to, sets to John Goodman. There's Sally? yeah. <laughs> this is his prime Roseanne days. He's got like he's always surrounded by like snacks and drinks. Yeah, it's it's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> John Goodman only admitted that he only participated in this movie for the money. Forty-five million, <laughs> the budget. Like people were getting paid, and yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Uh, yeah, n- not great reviews. And like one critic kind of like jumped out. I mean, this is from Owen Gleiberman when he was uh, back writing for Entertainment Weekly. This quote: "Welcome to the brave new world of slut chic cosmetic feminism." <laughs> It kind of sums up the essence of this. I mean, there's... Well, I mean, Coyote Ugly. What, like, what is the empowering message here? Is there one? I don't know. I just feel like this movie... It's just about, like, bad one-night stands. Okay. Well, yeah, but... I mean, that's what the name of the bar is, because you get so drunk and you have such a good time that you make bad choices. Right. And so that that's what this movie's all about, just making bad choices? I mean... That's not, that's not what this movie is about. What's this movie about? Oh my god, the girl is following her dreams and she may have to do some not so good things to do it. <laughs> PG thirteen naughty. She's dancing on a bar. I did that when I was in college. Were you setting but the bar I didn't get paid for it? I wish I did. Were you setting the bar on fire? I mean I wish, but I was doing splits on and them. And then like dousing it off with like I, buckets of water. <laughs> I did do splits on them. Let's just yeah, let's just like set up this plot. Real quick, it's uh, you got Piper Parabo. She plays Violet, 
and she is an aspiring songwriter. And she moves to the Big Apple, and she ends up working at the Coyote Ugly to make ends meet. Uh, she meets the whole crew there, led by Maria Bello. She's the owner. And Coyote Ugly, it's not your typical bar, right? I like I would describe this place as kind of like a like a Hooters meets Senor Frogs. <laughs> okay. Sort of, which, you know, aside from like the supermodels dousing themselves with water, that makes it kind of like my worst nightmare in terms of like the overcrowding. And we are oh, packing people yeah. in. Everyone's screaming. Yeah. This is a fire hazard. They don't serve anything other than shots. And if you ask for water, they hose you down. Yeah. I mean, what is the business plan with this place? Like, what is going on? What? Just, <laughs> this doesn't make this any is, sense. This is a place this for, is a disaster. for people just to go and just have a good time. And they know what they're getting themselves into. They're going to have shots of Jose, John, <laughs> <laughs> Jack, Johnny, Jose, Jim, and like all, all the J's. And Jen. Okay. These are my favorite friends. Yeah. Yeah, so no so no water. So if you're like like dehydrated from like all the straight grain alcohol that you've been that you've been chugging, you can't hydrate. You have to just fight your way through the crowd and like puke in the street. And then stick out your tongue for when they spray you down. But that's not what this movie I mean, yes, this movie is Coyote Ugly, that's the name of it. This but is it's two re- movies, really. It's really following the lead. There's Piper. There's two yeah, there's there's Piper's story, which involves her obese dad dealing with his health issues. Yeah. And her romance and her, to this guy, Adam Garcia. And her wanting to be a songwriter, but then she's too scared to go on stage because her mom was scared to go on stage, and that's why she didn't make it and she couldn't hack it in the real world. And that yeah, that's why she doesn't want to be on stage. She just wants to write songs for other people. Yeah. But she's told like if you want to get your songs out there, you have to perform them yeah. on stage. I, I mean, we we get a lot of dumb moments here. Like at one point, like there's a fight that's going to break out, and she breaks it up by like singing a song at the bar that just makes everyone turn and stare. One way or another, is that the I'm song? Gonna get ya. Her vocal power is just like so entrancing. Yeah. Everyone's got to stop. Her voice stops fights. It, it, it creates peace. Amen. That's ridiculous. <laughs> it's a that's a ridiculous moment. I mean, another ridiculous moment where we got like Michael Bay as like a local photographer. Oh, yeah, that's funny. You you pointed that out. I didn't even know that was him. There's a couple weird cameos yeah. here. I mean, you got Johnny Knoxville yeah. in here randomly. Yeah. And yeah, Michael Bay, he's he's taking some snaps. I mean, of course, Michael of course Bay. Michael Bay is in he's going to be photographing uh, some ladies <laughs> pouring water on themselves. Michael Bay front and center with the camera. And yeah, he takes a photo that like gets put in the paper and that's how her dad sees what she's up to. Yeah. That leads to a scene where he comes down to the bar and she's twerking. This is when the water was being poured on her. Yeah, that's probably the best scene. Yeah. But at least she wasn't in white, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, there's no... This yeah. is a PG-13 film. There's no, like, nipples. No. Like, this is... There's hardly any cursing, yeah. if anything. It's really, like, a, a just a big nothing, <laughs> honestly. I don't know. This movie is very nostalgic for me. I love the soundtrack. I mean, Can't Fight the Moonlight. Oh, my God. I had the soundtrack. It this was... is a soundtrack of, like, late 90s, early aughts. 
fart rock. I mean, this is like the worst time period for music ever. Oh, you got some Uncle Cracker. <laughs> this is the worst shit in the world. <laughs> this okay, is not. This well, is not flash the, dance. The soundtrack of this sold three million <laughs> copies and was on the Billboard Top 100 for a year after this movie came out. I mean, so you know what? To- you know what tops the charts uh, like every year? Now that's what I call music. Volume fifty. You just take a bunch of shit on the radio, put it together, you got a hit. <laughs> This is not the worst movie. I absolutely love it. I love the Australian guy. He's terrible. Oh, my God. I love him. He's so cute. And he's got the accent to boot. He sounds like Eddie Izzard. This guy's Australian. He sounded just like Eddie Izzard. Uh, I'm sorry. But this romance, I mean, who could could give a shit about these two? Are they going to go out on a date? Are they going to fall in love? I mean, who cares? They do fall in love she ends up getting a deal with leanne rhymes duh and she <laughs> fights the moonlight and bob's your uncle we get a, a nice little cameo appearance by leanne rhymes at the very end and so it's kind of like oh this song that you've been hearing you know like on the radio prior to seeing this here's the story of this girl who created it and uh sold it to leanne rhymes yeah and her going from a small city in New Jersey to the big old bad apple. Is there anything personal in the lyrics to Can't Fight the Moonlight that relates to this song? Like, this is just like a generic pop tune. I mean, she... She doesn't, is, like, dig deep well, she, to, like, remember, crank remember out these goes, lyrics. She goes on the rooftop, and she sees the moon, and then she sees, like, people looking into the windows. And then that's when she's like, loving you. Mmm. <laughs> So, yeah. Right? Love it. I guess my problem is that, like, to me, the most interesting thing is, like... I mean, this is poppy. I mean, this is like the, this is so geared towards females, and it's not even funny. Well, it, the story is very similar to Flashdance, but Flashdance works. Flashdance has characters who, who have uh, credibility. I don't think any of the characters here have any credibility. And that's, like, my big problem. Like, who are these women? And like, what is their dating? And where were they when you were in high school and college? Yeah, where was this bar <laughs> when I was in high school? No, I just, I mean, like, what? I mean, you have a room packed filled with drunk dudes, and you are like Tyra Banks' character dancing and, and two-stepping, to to setting law- things on fire. Okay, Tyra Banks' character was saving money to go to law school, and that's why she quit. We don't really get much of the personal lives from these girls. I guess that's what I'm saying. They're really just there to be eye candy. Yeah. And to just uh, shake it. But you have like good actors here. So why not give them some real characters to play? I um, like Bridget's character. She's like the, the mean anger management badass. I mean, she, like... barely. They barely even have personalities. And when, I mean, the scene where they're introduced, it's like they're at like a, like all night bodega or something. And they're like celebrating all the tips that they made. Yeah, it's and they're like like the dancing diner. around this. Yeah, it's a diner. They're yeah, winding down because they had a good night. That's right. We get like a cameo from yeah. Bud Court. Yeah, and there some good casting. I, I like the casting of these women. Just the way they're portrayed to me is very unrealistic and ridiculous. And then you have Piper Parabo, and her whole journey just seems totally predictable and cookie cutter. Very cliched. I mean, this was also the 90s. 
This right? is 2000. Well, 2000, 90s. I mean, they blend to me. Sure. It's, it's 2000. Okay. What year in 2000? Do you mean what month? No. Was it 2001, <laughs> 2002, 2003? 2000. So, I, I mean, they blend. So, 90s, 2000, especially the year 2000. I, I mean, there's a lot of 99 in there. Okay. Um. Yeah. I love this movie. This movie is... Does this movie still hold up to you? No. <laughs> I mean, you know, as you, you just get been, You've been defending it I this know. whole talk, but... I know. But, I mean, as you get older, you really... I mean, you know, you, you bring up good points about it being dangerous, and, you know, I wouldn't... <laughs> I, I mean... This bar, other beyond when, the women, this bar is a nightmare. When I was in college, I would have loved to go to a bar like this. Sure. Now... No, no. I mean... It, it is a it, nightmare. Yeah. Now, I, I just prefer lounges and low lighting and, you know... I mean, I guess... Good I, tunes. I guess that's why they have the women dance on the bar, because otherwise, why would yeah. you go? to this yes, place and they're entertainment they're entertaining I, that's I, why I people guess, go to this bar is because they're entertaining and they're not going to be bored i mean i guess that makes sense but i mean the way these women are dancing and like these choreographed numbers like they should be like doing stage shows like they can be making legit money doing like legit things <laughs> like i just I, yeah i want to know like who are What's these women their motivation what is compelling them to like dance for tips at this dive bar when they are clearly clearly have potential for more I mean, I give this movie a B. <laughs> it's not an A because, you know. Because of so so many reasons. No. <laughs> so many so many reasons that we just because discussed. Because as, as I am older, you know, the plausibility of this movie is not really there. But. And this is based on an actual bar. It is. So the original There's... bar uh, is in New York City. But then there's a whole bunch of other bars, which we lived down the street from one. We never went. And it was in Tampa. I mean, are the girls still dancing at yeah. these bars? Yeah. I mean, there's probably some health code issues. Well, now with COVID. But yeah, I don't think it's a good date movie per se, because I think it just it's really veered towards the females. And like, I mean, for me, I love the dancing and I love the singing and I love the songs. And, you know, there is a good love story there, in my opinion. But two I don't see this being a good movie for dudes. No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't good for me. <laughs> I can't speak on other dudes, but it wasn't did not work for me. You know, I, I'll give this like a C minus, you uh. know, I can't go like full D or F yeah. in any film where like Tyra Banks is like hosing herself down with water. This movie isn't worthless. You and your Tyra Banks. <laughs> you showed this to me. I did. You, <laughs> you were like jumping for joy. Yeah, I mean, I guess that'll that'll do it for for this episode. You know, next time we we should be talking about some some new flicks. <gasps> Are you are you excited to go back to the theater, or are you like nervous? Or I'm, I'm a little nervous, but you know I don't live in fear. <sighs> yeah, I don't think we'll be doing like concessions really oh. when we go to the movies. I don't see us like getting a big bag of corn. <laughs> oh God, no! I mean, maybe like package stuff. And so yeah, that'll that'll do it for this episode. And you can find more 
at anchor.fm slash movie date night as well as on spotify and apple podcasts we are on twitter at dn movie podcast and you can also email us at date night movie podcast at gmail.com and until next time i'm patrick i'm ashley thanks for listening see ya